morning, and welcome to Fiber Hooligan. For the next hour or so, I'd like to invite you to grab your cup of coffee, tea, or caffeine-free A&W Diet Root Beer, if that's your beverage of choice, and settle in for the 11th episode of The Return of Fiber Hooligan. For those of you who are wondering who the heck I am, I am your host, Benjamin Levesay. I am also the CEO of XRX Inc., home of XRX Books and Stitches Expos. My pronouns are he and him, and I'm broadcasting live from my home in Harrisburg, South Dakota. If you are tuning in for the first time, Fiber Hooligan is a podcast dedicated to bringing you interviews with the best of the fiber arts and makers world, including experts, business people, and designers in the crafts of knitting, crochet, spinning, dyeing, weaving, sewing, quilting, embroidery, as well as anything else that I think is interesting. I want to welcome the new listeners today. Thank you for tuning in and trying out the show. I hope you enjoy it, and I can't wait for us to get to know each other better. And of course, I'd like to welcome back our Fiber Hooligan listeners who used to tune into the original show many years ago. Your ongoing support means so very much to me. All right, excited about today's guest, so let's get to it. My guest today is Heavenly Bresser. Heavenly's pronouns are she and her. Heavenly Bresser is a self-taught, well-rounded fiber artist from Chicago. She has over 10 years of experience with crochet and knitting, but she also loves dyeing fibers, hand spinning, weaving, and repairing spinning wheels. And there's more to that story that we'll be talking about. Working from fleece to project is one of her favorite things to do. Her passion for fiber arts and the joy of seeing others grow in the craft is part of her motivation as an instructor. Heavenly's goal is to uplift, inspire, and encourage those around her and challenge them to think outside the box and do the things they never imagined they could be done. Outside of her fiber adventures, her time is spent caring for her husband, two young boys, and a morky named Samson. Samson. As most of you know, Heavenly has been on the show once before, but that was a very special show, and we really didn't get a chance to highlight her and talk about her many achievements, and I'm so pleased that she was able to join us again so quickly. Heavenly joins us this morning from her home in Warrenville, Illinois. Good morning, Heavenly, and welcome back to the show. Good morning, Benjamin. Thanks for having me again. Well, you know, it's, it's it's such a pleasure. I mean, you know, last show... I think it was hard for both of us. Good, it was a good show. I'm, I'm really glad, and, and I, you know, I, I wanted to let you know that I had a lot of positive feedback about the things you had to say. Yeah, that's that is awesome. I too also had um, positive feedback from uh, the show and a lot of support um, following, and it led to a lot of conversations that I thought were very much needed as well and call to action. So it was great. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I, I don't want to get off the serious note, but we do have to get in the interview. And I, I, I want to ask what's not quite a serious question, but okay. What is a Morky? Because I get the sense it's a pet. And, you know, is this some <laughs> small creature that every so often looks up at you and says, Nanu, Nanu? Uh, can you help me out here? <laughs> a Morky. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Nanu, Nanu. <laughs> a Morky is a Maltese and a Yorkshire. Uh, terrier dog <laughs> but yeah I guess it sounds funny if you haven't heard of that um, mix before <laughs> but um, he's a tiny little dog and he's so cute and he has a lot of curly fluffy hair and uh, he doesn't say nanu nanu <laughs> just to clear the record <laughs> he doesn't say that oh that's too ever. funny that's too funny all right well, you know, and and again, you know, it's it's it, 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 well, you've you've been around me enough to know I'm going to tell some grown or dad jokes every so often, so I know you're not totally shocked when that happens. Um, okay, no. moving on. <laughs> not um, at 
moving on. Uh, so I like to ask a nice, easy question, you know, early on in the thing. So really, let's start with the nice, easy one. Um, who are you and where did you come from? <laughs> That's the nice and easy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just tell, tell us, tell us your story. Where did you come from? Oh, okay. Um, I'll just start from, I guess, the beginning. Um, I was born and raised in the city of Chicago. Um, I lived in Chicago for the majority of my younger years. And um, I am one of six siblings. So <laughs> one of six children. So I have five siblings. And um, life was just, as, as you can probably imagine, a bit hard when you have uh, eight people living in one home. And, um, yeah, it was just really interesting uh, growing up. So I started out in the city um, with through most of my or some of my elementary years um, in the city. And then I moved. My parents decided we should move from the city of Chicago to um, the south suburbs and then we moved um, more west, and pretty much my whole life we were moving, like every few years. Um, and my parents were just hoping to get a better environment and um, have more opportunities, you know, um, available for us um, as they were able to financially um, take on that. And so, yeah, I experienced a lot of things <laughs> growing up uh you know, from the city and then going to the suburbs and just a lot of different um, changes, like the schools and things like that. Um, my original idea when I went into school and my big dream when I was growing up was to be um, a doctor. And I said, hey, I would go to school and study to be a doctor, and I would um, look into being a brain surgeon eventually. <laughs> That's what I said. And then wanted to be a brain surgeon. And then um, I said, no, I don't know if I really want to um, mess with people's brains. <laughs> I don't know if I really want to go into that route. And it started to seem more gory for me. And as excited as I was about human anatomy, um, I felt like that really wasn't where I fit in the most. So um, in my, I would say in my high school years is where I started to um, explore creatively other things that I felt um, I could do. And I started doing songwriting. I started writing uh, music and uh, music became a form of expression for me creatively. And um, at that time, I was in a school where I was one of uh, maybe five or six um, African-American students. Um, <laughs> so it was a culture shock for me going from Chicago to some of the other suburbs where less and less people that you know, kind of look like me. And then I needed some way to express, you know, different things that I was dealing with, with change and things like that. So um, I turned to music. And I found that I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and I actually started doing a lot of music um, underground, which for those who don't know what that might mean, is 
it's not mainstream music, but it's just a whole other scene um, that you wouldn't know of um, just listening to the radio. So I got heavily into um, working in music and producing my own, and also I taught myself just basically how to engineer. And it was fun. It was fun. It was a way to express myself, and it was just really exciting. So um, I just started thinking about it because it was just so much fun at that time. And then I was approached by an A&R, and I was given the opportunity to um, to sign on to a music record deal. Um, and I said no <laughs> because when I was thinking my parents kill me, <laughs> and I felt like I was so young, and I didn't know if that's where I really wanted to um, spend my career at that time. And I still felt like I had a lot of growing up to do, going from my high school years and going and you know going towards college and what I really wanted to do with my life. And um, so I said no, and I don't regret it at all, but um, I still have um, a lyrical side to me, so I do write still. But, um, and I get excited about songwriting, but I just haven't pursued that further since um, that time. And it was, it was pretty, um, I feel like that was a change, like a switch for me. Because I started to notice that if I'm creative in this arena, um, there has to be other, like, creative things that I haven't explored about myself, like other things that I can do or other things that are out there that I haven't um, taken the time to um, to explore or find out, like, what's out there. So um, I continued going to school um, Right after I left high school, I, I continued going to college, and I was working at the same time, and that was very difficult. Um, that's also at the time where I met my now husband, <laughs> Eric, and he came from Florida. He originally he was born in New York, and um, he um, lived most of his life in Florida, and then he moved here, and I met him when my phone broke. <laughs> So I had a companion from having a broken phone, which is kind of awesome, and on a birthday. So that's my that's my meeting story of my husband. <laughs> my phone was broken on my birthday. So uh, then I pretty much spent a lot of my time um, hanging out with him. We eventually started dating, all of that good stuff. And um, I still wanted to learn about science. So I got my associates in science, and I stayed in that path for learning. I really like science, and I like, like everything about it. Again, I do like human anatomy and things. I like chemistry. There's so many things I like, and I felt that I wanted to at least get on the path of getting my associates until I figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Um, get down a few years, you know, with Eric and I, um, we actually had my, now my older son, Noble, and um, when I, when I had him, I was wondering, like, okay, what do I do, you know, now that I'm on maternity leave? I'm working still, I'm still, you know, doing schoolwork, 
and I need something to do with my time. And this is why I'm, like, kind of thankful for my husband because he gave this bright idea for me to teach myself to crochet at the time. And I was just like, crochet? Like, what is that? (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, people take this hook thing or whatever and yarn and they, like, make stuff. (laughs) And I felt like I was sheltered (laughs) because I had no idea what he was talking about. It was one of those... (laughs) Are you crazy? I don't know what you're talking about. I I totally had no idea what yarn was about. I knew nothing about crocheting. I knew nothing about knitting at the time. And we're talking in my 20s. So for me, um, it was kind of eye-opening that I felt like I didn't learn things like that at a young age. Um, I wasn't exposed to it um, in any of the schools that I went to. Um, even with the school that I ended up graduating from in high school, they had a um, jewelry making class, which I loved, but they, I had no clue about yarn. <laughs> like there was no inclination, no one in my family that shared, you know, an interest in it. Um, like my mom wasn't a knitter or crochet or anything. Um, my, one of my great grandmothers quilted. And she did some form of needle arts work, but I didn't know much about it at that time. So um, I just thought it was kind of interesting that I'm just finding these things out. I felt like stole something from me. I'm like, what is this? (laughs) So um, I figured I don't know what it is, so why don't I go check it out? So um, Eric and I went to a big box store, and I bought my first green ball of yarn. I bought a crochet hook and this kit that says, teach yourself how to crochet. And that's where everything started. (laughs) So it was just that, that eye-opening moment that there's other things I could do with my hands and there's other things that I can put my energy towards to, um, you know, create something beautiful. That was the very beginning of where I am today. Yeah. So... Okay. Yeah. Well, it progressed from there. It definitely progressed from there. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you, you were you were doing this, right? But it, it at that point was it you were on maternity leave when you were doing this, correct? Yes, I was on maternity right. leave, but I was doing this. And and so yeah. you weren't trying to go back to your job. You know, at, at some point, did you get yourself to the 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 mindset where you were said to yourself? You know, I don't want to go work back and work for other people. I want to kind of do my own thing. I mean, and, and if so, how did that happen? I did. Pardon me. I did, and it took some time um, for me to get there because at the time I was used to doing things. Um, I was used to having someone as a boss to tell me, like, this is how things are done, and then also teaching me how to uh, manage others because I was in a managerial um, position and I was actually working for a target at the time in retail. And I had an inclination towards the soft lines department with the clothes and accessories and shoes and the jewelry area. And that's where I pretty much stayed. And I realized that I liked 
of fashion um, like aspect. I thought every time a new um, product came in from a designer and I had to help um, prepare the floor, the sales floor for a new um, plan, like a new um, setup, I thought it was exciting just waiting for the product to come. And I found more excitement in seeing, like, different things coming together, different colors and the patterns and all of those things with the clothes and also how things were laid out. All of those things play a role in what I like the most about that job, but also it contributes to what I didn't want to do with with that job because I felt as though um, the parts that made me excited were, like, very minuscule. Like, my part in that was so tiny. It was kind of like, okay, this is very exciting, this part. But all the other stuff <laughs> was not all that exciting. Um I was in a position where I would interview other people. So I find it funny. I'm being interviewed. I'm used to interviewing other people for a job. <laughs> and then also um, I would have the hard, you know, decisions to make where I also had to talk to someone and let them know that there are consequences for their actions and also leading up to the point of firing. I would have to be one of those people sometimes. And that, that was really hard that the um, managing people and feeling like you have I don't know, not only say control over someone else's future but um, being told you have to do something and then um, the things that you're doing just don't give you that joy or excitement and that pretty much did it for me where I knew that it wasn't something that was permanent um, I enjoyed helping people on the job, but I did not like, there were some reasons I just didn't like, and I just knew it wasn't a permanent thing. Um, but I did feel like it, I learned a lot um, being there because I learned some business uh, practices that I thought were really good, and I knew the things that I wanted to take away from that would help me eventually when I figured out what I wanted to do going forward, whether it was to create my own business, which I ended up doing. (laughs) I ended up doing that um, back in 2011 in March. And I knew that I didn't really want to work for anyone. Um, Just because, well, part of it is I have so many big ideas, and I don't ever want to feel like those ideas start to shrink down or have to fit into a box. And that's obviously like how I teach too. I want people to expand, you know, from where they are and not feel like there's a limit on what can be done. And so that for me was a crucial turning point is learning what I liked and what I didn't like about um, my position before. And I didn't know it was going to be one of those um, – I didn't know it was going to be one of those situations where it would be yarn related. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> that my entrepreneurial route would have yarn, you know, involved. I just knew I didn't want to stay in the place that I was before. Okay. Okay. So you knew what you wanted to do. 
How did you do mm-hmm. it? What were the steps? How did you okay. get there? I mean, I know you, you're a planner, so. I am a planner, so <laughs> I definitely am a planner. I, I, I'm also a big dreamer, so what I like to do first is see a clear picture. I like to see a clear picture of where I'm going or where I would like to be and then backtrack and write down those action steps that's going to get me there. So it took a lot of thinking. (laughs) It took a lot of me saying, this is going to be a lot of hard work, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, It took a lot of sacrifice also. Um, So being comfortable with not having a steady paycheck was what I had to get used to because I was so – I've always been a very independent person, and I've always been a a person that um, feels like she has her duckies in a row. And when you go into the entrepreneurial route, there are so many risks involved. And it took it took a lot of courage for me to say, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no experience level, not enough experience really to just, you know, um, go for it, but I am going to go for it. So I indulged in um, reading materials. I indulged in um, teaching myself every single day. It didn't matter if I was tired. It didn't matter what was going on around me. I made sure I learned something new every single day, whether it was just reading about business. I would check out books and read about business. I would um, reach out to people that were in business and ask questions. Um, I volunteered to intern at a local yarn shop, and I got a lot of insight and information about how it works, you know, how the local yarn shop works. And I basically volunteered and helped others with their dreams, and I learned a lot just from helping them. And they were willing to answer my questions because they knew I'm I'm not there as competition at all. I was just there to understand how to do this the right way. I don't want to do anything the wrong way. (laughs) Um, And I want to make sure I learn, like, what the rules are. And I also want to know, you know, what works and what doesn't. So I feel like I was a student for a while, even though I was in business. I felt like I didn't see um, a lot of, I'll call it fruitfulness. I didn't see a lot of fruitfulness coming out of the business yet because I felt like I was absorbing more information and I was seeing a return on my investments into it. So I put a lot of time in and it took a while. But at the end, and I won't say at the end because it's still growing and it's still evolving, um, I just took in so much that I feel like I feel more equipped, you know, today, especially. <laughs> At the time, it's scary. So um, I did have support, though, from people as well. So my husband had a really good job. So it wasn't as though I didn't have um, any help in the home. I also had um, friends that were very supportive um, that would watch my children so I can get a nap. <laughs> because my, at the time, my husband was working 15-hour shifts, which are excruciating and not, you know, best. And 
during that time period, I was with my kids, you know, and they were younger and I couldn't just put them in daycare on the weekend or in the evening so I can get a nap. I had a lot of support um, from neighbors, from friends that would take them to the park for me so I could just have a moment (laughs) so I can breathe. It was just a lot of support that I didn't expect that helped too. Um, But yeah, it was not easy at all, at all. But um, I do feel like it was worth it. And I look back at those things now and kind of laugh a little bit because when you're in it, you're like really frustrated when you are having those moments where you feel, you know, you kind of by yourself. Um, is this going to amount to anything? How can I help people with what I'm doing? Like all of these things come to your mind. But um, now looking back on it, I'm like, I am so glad I went through all that. <laughs> I'm so glad because it was so so worth it. I learned so, so much. And I feel now I have way more that I can um, share with others because of it. So it's, Well, you certainly, yeah, yeah I, I, I think that the, re- the rest of the world is, has been agreeing with you. And, um, you know, you, you're, uh, you know, you're getting, you know, very well known these days and very, very well known these days. It's a good thing. And it, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, you're talented and um, you're, you know, extremely gracious all the time too. You're 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 a fun, easy person to talk to, and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean it is you know, there are some people that aren't fun to talk to, and and you're you're just don't fall in that category. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to pick on anybody out there, but let's be honest, folks. We all have we all have people like that, you know. All right, so but let's speaking about some of your success. You know, you've had some nice magazine success in in recent times. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, okay. Well, you've got you you've had a, um, a, a winter issue uh, or a summer issue come out um, in spinoff. You want to tell mm-hmm. our listeners what that was about? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So I have this thing about antique wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I love We're going to be talking about them. this a little later too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was thinking about those. <laughs> what? You might as well go ahead and say it. <laughs> okay, let's, so let's, let's just let's just go here. Let's just go here. It's going to be planned for a, a little later, but let's just go here. Um, Heavenly, um, how many wheels do you have in your house? Um, so counting the number of wheels and revealing that number is like asking a lady what her dress size is. <laughs> Okay, so the the answer is you really don't know is the is the is the answer to that question. That's how many you have, no, and and I you just or you just it just feel like it's you have how many? I have twenty three wheels. Twenty three. Twenty three. Now you should know that there's some positive on this. Um, you know, Nathania, yes. who works for our company, was feeling bad because she had six wheels. And when she found out about your story, she's feeling much better about herself. But we need to talk <laughs> about this because it feels to me like you've got a bit of a problem here. And, and, and not only that, it sounds to me from listening to you that your, your husband's enabling. Um, he's, oh, he's going yes. on his own and picking up wheels for you. I mean, you know, is there a okay. place in your house, yes. a hallway, a room that, that there isn't a wheel in? I've got to ask. No, so we have a matrix. <laughs> I'm joking. 
<laughs> but no, they're, the wheels are pretty much everywhere. Um, but they are actually in very strategic places. <laughs> sure. I'm sure. Well, every um, every hallway needs at least two, I'm sure. Um, you know, one at each end, right? <laughs> right. But the funny part is my the hallway only has one upstairs. Um, okay. I probably could fit another, so don't give me ideas. <laughs> don't give me ideas. I probably shouldn't. Oh, my God. Oh, um, but I do have okay. them strategically placed, and I would say in my husband and and also in my bedroom, we, let's see, I probably have seven, just, just in, no, I think maybe nine. I don't know. So somewhere between seven and nine are um, stationed in my bedroom, and my bedroom's big enough to house them nicely, and they actually look amazing there and they're easy to you know take it wherever I want to take it but yes I do have quite a few wheels in my own bedroom so I wake up in the morning and see them and they put a smile on my face <laughs> now while I was giving her a bad time folks I want I want you to know that it's simply a fact that Heavenly is an expert in fixing these and some of these are old beautiful wheels that just need a little love she does try her hardest when she can bear to part with them, you know, find them good homes that are not hers. Um, not every wheel gets that far. Sometimes they just get adopted into the clan, and, and that's just what happens when you have somebody that knows how to fix wheels and loves wheels, so, right? Right. I was going to say, let's just be very truthful here. The majority of them stay. <laughs> I do okay. fix them for friends, but the majority of them have stayed. <laughs> And I will put this disclaimer here, though. <laughs> Since we're on the real topic, there's a disclaimer. So I have a few of them actually set aside for teaching and yeah. for people to borrow them. So, yeah, I do have some that are actually loaners, as I would call, or my tutoring um, spinning wheels. So I do have some set aside <laughs> for that purpose. And, yes, other people get a chance. <laughs> to see them. Well, you know, you don't have that many more if you wanted to teach, you know, a full college or professional football team, you know, uh, both the A and the B string, really. I mean, you're, you're, you're almost there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that far. I'm really not that far. And don't even get yeah, started on how many spindles I have now. <laughs> oh, we Seriously. never talked about spindles, huh? You never told me you had a spindle <laughs> problem too. Well, spindles can be put in, in drawers, so I'm, I'm, you know, I think that's a whole different thing. But uh, I'm going to leave you alone on that because yeah. we need to talk about your article that you wrote about this. So, so please tell us about the article <laughs> you wrote because. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh. That was funny though. Um, I'm like, uh, I'm like, man, now I'm going to have people saying, so which spinning wheels, <laughs> which ones are in your room? Um, we'll get you a T-shirt that the, says, "I do not have a spinning wheel problem." Yes, please. I would love that. <laughs> Get it for you for the next show. Yep. Yes, that would be fabulous. Um, okay. So the the article that I had written for the spinoff magazine for summer 2020, I actually talk about um, two of the antique wheels that I have, and they're very um, different. They're very unique because they actually have two drive wheels on them, and they're rare. You don't really see them very often. 
And um, one particular wheel is actually from Sweden, and it is believed to be built around somewhere in the earlier 1800s. And so I talked a bit about my research for these wheels. So they do different things. So it's nice that I have um, the collection that I have because they all excel at something um, and they do have their pickups of something that they're not so good at. So it's actually pretty cool to have um, these different wheels around because I get a chance to study them. And then I also get to get a sense of, you know, why they were made that way. Um, so this, these two particular ones that I talk about in the summer 2020 issue, they are really dear to me because they're one of my favorite types. And so, um, yeah, I really enjoyed writing that article. And I also share a little bit about how I get, got started with spinning. And it's just been a huge journey, you know, going from knitting and going from crocheting and knitting and then jumping into the spinning world and not even knowing anything about spinning. So I, feel, I felt as though me sharing that with people will help them get an understanding as to, well, one, why I have so many wheels, <laughs> and then two, um, understand why it's so important to know the history behind what you do and why it is so important for um, civilizations before we were around, you know, why it was so important to have these tools available. And this one particular type um, is called an accelerator wheel. It actually makes it so that you can spin more yarn in less time because of the way that it's set up mechanically. It's just the wheel mechanics is just amazing and it's brilliant. And I I fell in love with learning about, you know, why why and how, you know, these things kind of come to be and then the fact that I have it. You know, like it's not something that you'll see at a flea market just sitting around or you'll see it in at someone's you know, during someone's fireplace just, you know, as decoration. These aren't wheels that were um they weren't just decoration. These were used. <laughs> These were not built just to look nice. They were used as workhorses. And it made it easier for the spinner. And it's a touch of innovation from that time period. And then now I having that um having those wheels with me, now I can continue on, you know, from where that started and share that with people and I find that so amazing. <laughs> so in that article, I talk a lot about those two in particular, but then also the journey um, that led up to me getting it. And it's pretty cool to have a wheel from the 1800s, really. <laughs> pretty amazing. <laughs> so I think it's neat. It, it is. You also did a, um, a, um, a story in Tiny Studio, Creative Life magazine. I had another guest on that had done a story in there, too. I have not had a chance to read it. Yeah. I think it's online. Uh, can you tell me what was in the story? Oh, my gosh. Yes, I'm actually um, in, I'm doing a series with um, Tiny Studio, uh, Creative Life magazine, and I am going through the process 
of working from fleece and turning it into a project. Now, I thought it would be a nice idea to do this because online you can take pictures and show people, you know, these are the stages. But I actually break down the entire process of what I do once I have um, wool from sheep. I explain how I wash it, how I separate, you know, the the fiber in order to, um, you know, get a feel for what the yarn, what the fiber is going to feel like and potentially what the yarn could be just by um, examining the fleece. Then I go through the washing process. Then I go through um, the process to um, straighten out the fibers and spin it so that it has the characteristics that I want in a garment. It's a huge, I would say it's a huge undertaking in a great way. Um, so I have done, I want to say three, um, yeah, I believe it's three series so far, or three um, parts of the series so far. And I'm into the next step where I've spun a ton of the yarn, and now I'm designing my own uh, garment from all of that hard work. So it's awesome. <laughs> and it's just really cool. It's a nice way to um, get inside of the heads of a spinner, <laughs> of different spinners, I should say, because this is a process that we go through when we're um, choosing a fleece. We're trying to see what we're going to make with it. And for the people that don't know how to do that yet, that they might be newer spinners, I share the details of how, you know, you can do it. You too. You can do it too. <laughs> so it's really cool. So as a knitter, it's, it's, I think it would be very insightful, you know, um, read. And then also for people that crochet and weavers, I think it would just be a very, you know, interesting read for people, all, you know, backgrounds in the fiber arts, because it's just, it, it's, it's a huge process. <laughs> it's a huge process, and you really get to see what goes into it. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, good stuff. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work and research that you're doing here too. But this is not done. You've still got a little yeah. other stuff too. You've got a, um, you've got your your handspun yarn is going to be on the cover, the winter cover of, um, I believe, Spinoff Magazine, correct? Or no, Long Thread Media. That's uh, yeah, Spinoff Winter issue. It, yeah. 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 The Winter 2020 issue actually came already. So their winter oh, 2020, did. yeah, it came. And my yarn, <laughs> my yarn, yeah, keep up with the times, Benjamin. Come on. I <laughs> know. Uh, What's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. No, my yarn, yeah, it's actually on the cover for the winter 2020 um, issue of Spinoff. And in that particular issue, I also had written an article about working with wild silk. And for people who don't know what wild silk is, if you're used to working with silk yarn, um, you're most likely using mulberry or bombix silk. But wild silk actually comes from um, different varieties of moths. And I talk in that, or I explain in that particular article, um, the differences of the silks that are available for spinners. And they have these really interesting colors naturally. So they have gold. They have um, really pretty champagne color, um, really 
nice um, metal gray that's naturally occurring. And it's really interesting what we can use and what we can get our hands on and the yarns that we can create um, as a result. And so I shared uh, my tips on how to blend those silks, those different types of silks with alpaca, with um, mohair, um, and with um, different a different type of wool, so you can make whatever yarn you want. And it was a really interesting um, research project for me, and I thought it was very and it would be very insightful for people that are just used to using one type of silk. So um, my yarn, because they liked the yarn so much when they received it, it ended up being on the cover, which was pretty awesome. Um, and that was my very first uh, article publication. So I got my article published and then also had my yarn on the cover. So that was pretty exciting. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I still want to frame it because I'm like, this is so neat. My husband goes, we got to put it in a frame. I'm like, I know, but how? I haven't done it yet. I'm so bad. We should do it, though, so, because I was really excited about that. Very nice. Very nice. I also understand you, you've been asked to write an opinion piece for Ply Magazine for some point of the future. Um, when is that coming yes. up, and what's that going to be about? It's coming out, from what I understand, I believe it's actually coming out next year, but um, the opinion piece is for spinners. So, um What's really cool about the Ply magazine is that they have hot button topics where um, basically some of the experts don't agree <laughs> on things and because there's always another way you can go about doing something. And I was asked to write an opinion piece on something that people typically don't agree on. And I figured that would be really cool to have, you know, them ask me to do that. I thought that was pretty neat. And um, it's, it's a technique thing. And it's, it's basically when you're learning and teaching, you know, different techniques, you always find that you have something you really like and it's like your favorite thing to do. But um, then you find there's another way to do it and people don't, you know, agree that this is the way to do it the best and that way is better and that kind of thing. So it's going to be a conversation piece basically <laughs> um, about spinning techniques. So um, I get to have my, you know, have something shared in there as well, which is really nice. And I didn't know they would ask me, but I'm like, oh, sure, <laughs> thanks. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. And um, it's going to be in their basics issue um, when that one comes out. So keep an eye out for that. I'll be in there <laughs> sharing some secrets. <laughs> well, and, and speaking of keeping an eye out for stuff, um, you know, I do understand that you're also working on a book. Yes. <laughs> Can you talk about that or, or is am, it still top secret? Okay. Uh, not top secret. But I am. I'm actually working on. Um, it's dealing with spinning. Happens to be spinning, but um, I'm actually working on writing a book that is involved with color work, and it's something I haven't seen out there yet. So I'm really excited. It's 
one particular technique that I like a ton. And I find that there's only been a touch, like a little bit that people have talked about in the past concerning it. And I realize that my um, dyeing, like the, the dyer side of me, I think you know I hand dye fibers, right? So the dyer side, (laughs) okay. So the dyer side of me wanted to explore some things with color, and I realized as I was exploring it from a dyer's perspective, it's different than what it would look like as a spinner's perspective, and I'm marrying the two so I can write effectively how to do specific techniques. And then I also want to get other dyers involved because um, dyers typically have their signature, like a a certain type of signature. Like some dyers like to use certain colorways um, a certain way. So like they will um, use color combinations that you are used to seeing this type of blue from this, you know, dyer. Or you're used to seeing it. But you could tell they love purple or they like, um, you know, spring colors because it happens to be in almost everything that they do. But then there are also different ways to dye that are um, very specific to a certain type of dyer. And you could still use that. Like someone, um, like you could purchase a beautiful uh, fiber from a particular dyer because of that awesome technique that they use in their dyeing. And you can um, take that and use that for a particular technique for spinning. So it's like, um, it's almost like you're marrying um, all these beautiful ways that people die and then turning it into um, something beautiful that you are expecting. So it's, yeah, it's evolving. (laughs) This particular book idea is evolving, and I believe that um, a lot of other people will be involved with it, and I am looking for, you know, different people, and I have some names that I'm going to reach out to, because I think they'd be great for this, um, but I think it will be an awesome, awesome um, perspective that hasn't been touched yet in our fiber arts world for spinners, and I love being able to control color and manipulate color so that I can get the out that I want. And that's probably one of the most awesome things about spinning is that you have the ability to take a color away. You have the ability to add a new color. You have the ability to, um, you know, put two different things that aren't quite the same together to make the yarn of your dreams, you know. So it's cool to be able to work with others and collaborate so that you could you know, support them first off and then also be able to do those awesome techniques with different, with different um, methods. So I just, I don't know, getting excited to talk about this. I know <laughs> so you are. Well, if, now you, if, if, <laughs> if you start, if you start uh, needing people to talk to, um, we, we've got a whole bunch on, that are, are regulars on the market floor that I can think of. So you want us yeah, to Yeah, that'd be fabulous. Touch. You betcha. I'm yeah, not going to say the names definitely. online because that'll give me nothing but trouble. And, uh, you know, because <laughs> there'll be somebody I don't say. So uh, this way, if I give you the names and somebody doesn't get picked, I can blame you. I'll, I don't know why she didn't contact you. I gave you her name. So <laughs> then it's all, all on me. me. Yeah. 
That's right. <laughs> put it That's right. Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. All right. Yeah, no, it's going to be a great book when it happens. Are you going to try to self-publish this book? Are you going to try to find yourself a publisher for it, or what, no, how are you going to do it? This one, for this particular one, I would love to find a publisher for it because okay. the work that will be involved would be would be immense. Just the work itself, just producing what needs to be produced. So the writing, you know, the writing aspect, yeah. of course, I'll be writing, but the publishing, no. I wouldn't want to self-publish this particular one. But you don't have a publisher. Oh, yeah. Yet. Oh, not you do? Yes. <laughs> no. Not okay. yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. So, so we'll, work, we'll work on that. Mm-hmm. We'll work on that together. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move in to talk about your teaching, because really t- a, a teacher is how you, uh, an instructor is how I came to know you first. Um, uh, you started, you know, locally. And can you talk about you know what you taught and, and where you taught uh, when you first got started teaching. Oh, um, when I first started teaching, I started teaching locally at the Spinning Guild, and it was really—I feel like that was the perfect place for me to start teaching locally for spinning. Now, before that, I I did um, teach some at a little yarn shop um, with crocheting and knitting, and I did some small groups. But um, outside of knitting and crochet, um, the majority of my teaching ended up being through my spinning guild. I laugh and joke with them now about what we've um, gone through <laughs> as far as our planning meetings. They would nominate me to be the person to do a program. And I'm like, no, I am not on the market this year <laughs> for for a class. I'm like, no, we want you to teach something. I'm like, okay, fine. So I actually got a lot of, um, I don't want to say practice, but I actually, with our spinning guild having um, 23 plus people in any given meeting, it was really a nice way to, um, learn how to teach for larger groups. Um, it it was almost like a little breeding ground, you know, for, for teaching. So I was learning um, how to um, effectively um, communicate to everyone um, the ideas I had, and I was able to, you know, structure my class as if it were a class at a fiber arts festival or something. That's at least how my mind, <laughs> that's how I took it, <laughs> is that I could be outside doing this, you know? And so it started out <clears throat> locally, and it turned out great. I thought that I was getting a lot of good feedback as far as um, everyone kept saying, you're a great teacher, you should teach, you know, outside of this. You're doing a great job, and we really like your program. I kept getting a lot of good feedback, and I said, you know, if my guild, you know, my local spinning guild, they seem to really enjoy, you know, how I present and the things that I have been teaching, you know, I should branch out and start um, going to other places to teach as well. And so after the spinning guild, I reached out to Yonkon in Chicago, and I taught there, and I had a great time. <laughs> had a great time, yeah. and they gave me, you know, the, the opportunity to do it, and it was 
it was excellent. And right after YarnCon, I um, ended up reaching out to Stitches. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but why not? And I have to say that to myself a lot because sometimes you can talk yourself out of things because you think you can't do it or you just think you might get a no or you think it's not what you think it's going to be. And you have to convince yourself, like, you know, don't be negative about it. Just do it. So I reached out to you all and I did a formal proposal. I just said, these are ideas I have. I spin yarn and, you know. And then when I heard back that I could teach with you all, I was like, this is awesome. (laughs) So I went to my first um, teaching event with you all, and that was in, that was in, um, Midwest last year, almost a year ago. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was Midwest last year, and I had a blast. We haven't even, we haven't even known each other for a full year. I know it feels like much longer, but, you know, it's I know, it feels like, it feels like much longer. <laughs> much longer, yeah. Like Most people much... who know me feel like it's a much longer, you know, you know period of time. It yeah, does. It, but I think part of that is because of the way that the company, it really makes you feel like you're part of a family. And that is where you feel, com- you know, you feel more comfortable when you're working with people and it feels like there's a family aspect there. And um, I enjoyed it. My first my very first experience, it was a lot of work, <laughs> and I was expecting it to be a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. I met a lot of new people. Um, the students were amazing. I just really felt welcome, and it was, it was great. It was absolutely great. And so um, it just made me want to teach more. <laughs> So I'm like, cool. Well, and I'm glad you did, and you stuck with us on this. You know, the, the funny thing, I don't think you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever told you this story, is that in Stitches Midwest in 2018, I don't know whether it was your guild or, or not, but a spinning guild was almost stalking me at the place. How come there's no spinning? How come there's no spinning? And I would say, well, um, the problem here is so part. <laughs> was that part of your crew? Were they stalking me? Did, you, did you set them up for that? <laughs> okay. Confession time. I actually saw that taking place. <laughs> Do you remember it was upstairs above the market in the stairway, yes. right? Right. It was okay. Upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And some of those people were my friends talking to you. How come there's no spinning? Right. There's right. A lot of and and I was trying to have a business discussion trying to have a business discussion saying we love spinning, but every <laughs> single time we offer it, nobody shows up and takes the class. And they said, We'll fix that mm-hmm. and I said, Okay, well I'm gonna try it, but you know, you better fix it, you know, 'cause you know we, Yeah. And, uh, I was there for and, that. Uh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> You set him up. You you set him up for that, didn't you? You I did not. I absolutely did not. I did not. I didn't say you guys go talk to him. No, I I, at the time I wasn't even thinking to um, apply to teach at all. Like I wasn't even thinking to do that for um, stitches. I enjoyed attending as an attendee. Yeah, and I was just like, look, I like taking the classes myself. I enjoyed, you know, just being there and shopping and, you know, meeting up with our friends, you know, locally. And we would have our table where we sat and spun, you know, yarn during the show and things like that. So it, we had our own thing going. So, like, after that conversation, after the conversation took place, though, and your feedback 
to, I remember one of the ladies said, the feedback was, well, you, I, I forget exactly what you said, but it was kind of like, you, you know, if you guys come up with a plan or like, you know, if we get that, um, like if we have that interest basically, then, you know, bring it. <laughs> and I remember she said something to me, and it was just talking to everybody, really. But I felt like it was, like, kind of to me a little bit. And I was just like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> reach out and see. <laughs> and you didn't know me, and I wasn't one of those people that talked to you. No, but and I didn't I, I didn't see you hovering around the court sh- shadows, watching and laughing at what they were doing. So, you know, I, I really did try to be patient because they were like, I mean, they they were a bit demand, and it's fine. I don't mind people being passionate. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I had to try to explain to them that, you know, if there's people don't dump, if people don't buy, then there's no support for it. And and I and we right. love spinning. Everybody in my house grew up spinning. Um, but you know, and I mean, and Nathania. You know, again, mm-hmm. she has her six wheels, pales by comparison, but she's trying right. to be a junior you one these days. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so you know, I, I mean, her. so so I'm, I'm glad they did, and I'm glad it's working out. And your, and your classes were successful. I mean, you came with us um, to, you know, the next couple of shows. I've got a great couple of pictures mm-hmm. of you from Salt Lake City um, that, you know, I'm going to keep for myself. No. Um, yeah, you keep no, those. You, okay. I caught, her, keep I caught her eating. I caught her eating, folks, and it was just it was some great pics. Um, and then I'm she like, couldn't stop rude. laughing. <laughs> it, was, it was really rude, yeah. And uh, and we were these things, and it's been really wonderful. And, and you know, I think, you know, the, the most time we got to spend was when we were at West, right at the last day. It, mm-hmm. it turned out we all had a little time, and it was – Libby and Nathania and uh, Thou and you and I were all just sitting having a drink and just mm-hmm. stressing. It was good. It was really nice. Yeah, it was really nice to be able to do that. I thought that was just, I don't know, it was just really nice. And um, I don't know, which is very, very cool. And I, it's always nice to hear people. Like it, sometimes you walk past people, it, it, sometimes it gets so busy at, the shows you feel like you don't have time to make, you know, connections in a way um, because there's yeah. so much going on. And it's nice to be able to wind down and sit and say, how are things going for you? You know, and how, is, you know, how are you doing today? It's just nice. And I felt welcomed and it was nice to just do it. I was just like, cool. <laughs> this is neat. Um, the Stitches West though was my first time going there. And I thought that was a really nice show as well. It was, Really nice. So I was so happy to be there. I'm like, cool. <laughs> this is yeah. different, and this is nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad. You know, I mean, you know, you've. I always tell you that, you know, our our, our little. It's a little family company. You know, you, you don't get that until you spend time with us because sometimes it doesn't look like that, right. but it is. And I always tell mm-hmm. people that we put the fun back in dysfunctional. Um, and uh, we we do. <laughs> But uh, let's move on with your career here. So the next thing I hear is that you, you've you been merchandised for VK Live coming up here soon. Yes, 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 yes. So I, mean, I, knew I, you did a, a I knew you did a lecture before, but you've got another class coming up here soon, right? Yeah, it's, um, I'm actually doing uh, the lecture is um, coming up again. So I did a lecture before with them, and I'm actually doing it again, and it's called Why Spin? And so it gives more insight as to why people spend nowadays and um, the advantages and some disadvantages to spinning your own yarn. But 
gives a nice, well-rounded um, view of what that looks like for me. So if some of it is personal, like you know, part of the part of it is a personal um, journey um, and a look at what I have done, but um, it also involves some history. So I think it's going to open up some eyeballs. <laughs> And basically, my idea behind writing or in preparing the lecture is to share with people the things that I wanted to know before I started spinning. So the things that I wanted to know about yarn um, as a knitter and as a crocheter, but not a spinner yet. So it's, it's going to be awesome. That is going to be on Saturday. This upcoming Saturday. And then I also have a demo. I have a demo um, with them as well where, where I'm actually going to spin on one of my antique wheels. Not all 23. <laughs> and then I get to share um, some of my favorite um, yarns that I make with my antiques. So it's, it's going to be a nice, relaxing thing. So it's a lecture and a demo. But, yeah, it's with Logging live, and it's right around the corner, so it's going to be fun. Yeah. And I want to let the listeners know that you know this, as well as a lot of things we talked about, including the the, the articles and other resources. These are going to be links that we put on the show book page in the next day or two, so you still will have opportunity to take advantage of these things. So don't worry, and don't go you know researching too heavy. If you give me just a day, you'll have a real nice, concise list of where you can have action items. So. Um, that's yes. very, very cool. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for you. Um, and it's not like you don't have other things going on. I mean, you're always doing online stuff. I mean, you've got your Facebook group and you've oh got your God. Zoom check-ins. I mean, you should, you should tell the world what the things you're, the other, the other, quote unquote, the other things you're doing in your copious spare time. Right. It's like spare time. It's like every time someone says spare time, I'm like, what spare time? <laughs> I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, with the online Facebook group. I have a Facebook group that's called um, the Hand Spun Experience Blossoming in the Craft. And in that particular group, um, I share some of the things that I'm working on. um, And I also encourage new spinners and those who have been spinning for a long time to um, share their project, to, um, to be part of a community, especially where we're staying home and, you know, just finding a way to connect with one another through our craft and just having that support. If you have questions about something or if you, you know, plus you're stuck. And I have um, knitters and crocheters that are in the group as well, and they share the projects that they finished, some of their shawls, sweaters, things that they're working on. And um, it's been really uplifting and encouraging at this time. And it brings me so much joy just to see, you know, the beautiful things that people are making. Um, Then I also have the Zoom chat that I have hosted and also co-hosted. I have a a friend that's pretty much holding down the fort when I can't be in there. (laughs) And um, But basically this chat is taking place every single day. I hardly miss a day, but – Really, it's really awesome to have that time to connect and to unwind and 
to have some camaraderie um, through a virtual chat. And so I have people that are coming in from the Netherlands. I love you all. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Um, my friend from New Zealand comes in, and people from all over the U.S. come, you know, visit the chat, and it's just open to anyone. And I sometimes find that, you know, because not just because of, you know, um, the COVID situation and other things that are happening right now where we can't really, you know, physically meet, but um, also even before then, people had a hard time, like, feeling like they belonged somewhere. And I used to do live video chats um, on Wednesdays, and I was like, this would be a nice way to, you know, kind of do like a whip you know, thing where you just check in and see how people are doing with their projects. But I saw the need to do a little bit more. And it pretty much started um, mid-March when we knew that we were going to stay home here in Illinois. <laughs> so um, it started in mid-March, and we had it going every single day since. And it's, uh, most, most of the sessions are morning sessions, and it's a huge period of time where you can just drop in for an hour if you want or even 30 minutes. Um, you don't have to work on a project, or you can work on a project if you want to, but there are people there to chat with you and to hang out with you and also to support, you know, what you're doing and encourage you at the same time. And then we also have evening sessions, too, um, a few nights of the week. But, um, but, yeah, I find it to be like a lifesaver. <laughs> I have moments where I'm like, I'm going to scream. I need to like talk to people. <laughs> I need to like get out of my box right now. <laughs> and it's just been really nice. And it's been nice to check and make sure others are okay as well. So, um, yeah. So I always encourage people to come in whenever they can. I was, I was teasing heavenly yesterday because in the midst of all this stuff, you know, with the, everything that's going mm-hmm. on and the, and the different kinds of pain people could feel and the, and the different kinds of isolation and all this kind of stuff, you know, she thought to herself, gosh, I can check on everybody. I mean, that's not totally ridiculous, <laughs> right? I'll just go check on the world as a whole and, you know, you I'm sure I can get in touch with everybody. Like... Just go check on the world all at once. And, and she, and, you know, <laughs> so it's, you know, if you, if you, if you put it like that and realize how ridiculous it is, well, then just go do it then, might as well, you know. So, and, and that's kind yeah. of what she does. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> sounds about right. I'm just go check on everybody all at one time. <laughs> all at one time. You know, yeah. 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 Oh, that's, it's, it's a beautiful thing you're doing. It's a beautiful thing. You you didn't talk about your online uh, event that kind of mirrors the Tour de France. Will you say it again? You didn't talk about Tour de Fleece. De Fleece. Oh, yes. The Tour de Fleece. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for reminding me. No worries. That's why I take my notes. Also... <laughs> the Tour de Fleece is also... Um, taking place in our Facebook group and also on Instagram. Um, but basically, for people that don't know what Tour de Fleece is, it actually coincides with the Tour de France. But that particular tour has been postponed for a later date um, into late August. So because people want to still spin and, and work on things together, we decided that in, the, in my uh, Facebook group and also on Instagram, we're going to go ahead and do the tour on the original dates as well. So um, during the tour, I have been teaching 
new techniques to spinners so they can try a new technique each day. There are challenge days that the um, writers would normally have for Tour de France, so I have planned different challenges that will help stretch spinners to try something different for those days. And then there are also rest days. So those days, and this today actually happens to be the second rest day. <laughs> so I'm hoping my group is actually resting right now and listening. <laughs> but um, we have rest days so that you take a break from your spinning and then you can also, you know, just you could do something else. So some people will knit if they're not spinning um, or they will you know, swatch something that they had, you know, spun up. And so it's it's really fun. And it's really cool because every day it's something new to look forward to. So it really helps, you know, people to know that there's something to do right now. <laughs> um, even though a lot of things were postponed and for good reason, um, this particular thing, we just went with it. So, um, yeah, so the tour of Fleece will be a really fun thing for people to check out. And the tour for this particular session, it's not over until July 19th. I'm hoping I'm getting the date right. <laughs> but it's not over until um, July 19th. And um, at the end of the tour, you get to look back and see the different things you've done for each day and the, um, how much um, you've progressed from day one. And it's not an actual race where you feel like you're competing against others. Um, you're not trying to, you know, um, you basically have yourself to look at. It's not really a competition. So you get to do whatever it is that you want to do. And if you feel like trying something new, you try it. If you don't feel like doing something new, then don't do it. But it's there, you know, so it's, nice to see that people have been involved and they're like having their aha moments and saying, I did this today and I spun from the cones. I tried your technique yesterday. I tried this and I tried that. And I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> so it's been exciting to watch people grow and in their skills and um, try new things. So yeah, it's been great. It's great. And people can still get in on it if they go to your Facebook page, right? Absolutely. You can still swim. All right, by. so we'll make sure um, we post that. Yeah, we'll post that link on the on the show notes so we don't have to try to get it right here. Um Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, well you you know, so you're 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 very busy. Now I just wondered if, <laughs> you know, by chance anything else has recently come up, he says really pandering and searching for a self serving answer for his company's new virtual product. So anything going on recently? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm so kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew she was going to do yeah. this. This is going to do this. <laughs> You're, like, You're so funny. Um, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I know you all are, um, for Stitches, considering the, not considering, but going forward with a virtual camp. Can I call it that? A virtual camp? Well, it's going to be um, the first thing we do is a destination. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I'm going to be a part of it. How cool. <laughs> um, I actually feel pretty, I don't know, I was kind of floored. I'm like, you guys want me to be a part of it? How awesome. Um, so, yes, with this virtual offering, um, I think it's going to be really, really, really exciting 
um, especially for people, and I believe I talked to you about this a few times, that some people don't have access to um, things, especially now. Um, it's not easy to assess, you know, the uh, teaching that you want to have. And it's it'll be a nice thing for me to be able to um, be a part of this and share some of my uh, teachings online. Yay! I'm like... <laughs> The inside of me wants to scream. Yay! <laughs> um, I'm excited. It's really cool. <laughs> well, it, it and, is really um, cool, you know. And I, I and I I think that our gang did a really good job with with the concept of the format. You know, so many times with live events, even when the camps, you know, you're stuck there for X number of days because well, you've got X number of hotel mm-hmm. hotel nights, and it starts to, you know, you can't just stay as long as you want. But virtual allows us to ignore that and break things mm-hmm. up in a you know a really nice easy way and i mean how were they, they probably yes. talked to you about some kind of format with you what to what would be a day then a, a day sort of short days and then a week later another day yeah so it, it it's almost as, uh, like a nice uh follow-up and continuance so um one of the things i've always con- uh, thought about as an instructor is how to stay um connected to students and i mean i do that Anyway, and I always provide, like, information, like, if they need something. And it's one thing to, um, you know, uh, reach out via email and ask, hey, how's it going so far? But then it's another thing to actually, you know, come back as a class um, to revisit a um, concept and and to take it a step further if, you know, needed. And it's I don't know. I just want to scream like, yay. I feel like it's an answer <laughs> to some, um, I wouldn't say a problem, but some concerns that some teachers probably have had and some students might have had where they feel like they need that extra time to themselves to uh, practice what they've learned and then come back and then, you know, revisit, you know, what, what it is that they learned at that time and then correct and also, you know, just go further. So I feel like it gives the student the opportunity to get a little more access to the instructor in a way. Um, sure. Now all you have to do is build it, build it into support. the thing. Right. You just have to build it into, right. the, into the product. You know, I, I personally think there's a lot of people that will like like it because they like seeing their classmates again. Um, I think mm-hmm. that yeah. they'll, there are some people that are, you know, very driven. They'll use it as an accountability uh, methodology for themselves. Yes, which that's is, exactly you know, it. You know, and you're doing uh, something as a group, it helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a good format, and uh, you know, we're we're planning on keeping the number of students in a class relatively low, so that the teachers can do a good job. Um, mm-hmm. with them. And uh, that, that's important because you can't walk around, you know, and look over their shoulder, and that's that's something we got to consider. And uh, just just is the yeah, way. Yeah, you so, can't. And it's yeah, yeah. It, but it's just. Uh, like I feel like a light bulb came off. I was like, oh. Well, you know, we've been <laughs> we've been we've been really we have been really it's really racking our brains about okay, let's throw all the old paradigms away, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If we had to if we had to invent it over without knowing anything, you know what 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 would it look like? And uh, yeah, that's it's been a lot of fun doing that. It's been a lot of fun, um, just kind of imagining a different kind of thing. Well, and, and we can see the opportunity for virtual in the live events, too. I mean, why can't people check in um, for the classes online and then just go pick up a satchel as opposed to standing in line waiting for all these things? Or why can't there be 
an accountability session online with the teacher that they took live after the right. fact. There's yes, a lot of things. We, there's a lot of things we can do in the in the. I mean, for, we may offer a, a bonus thing for a, sl- a small extra fee. They can have a homework session two weeks before the thing. I mean, there's lots of reasons that virtual makes sense to continue to do even when we have live events. So, folks, it's coming soon, and uh, and heavenly. Yeah, yeah, and we're so happy. Heavenly is going to be a part of our world. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really excited about it because for me as an instructor, I'm always thinking of, like, how can I do this better? How can I make sure, you know, my students get it and I know that they're really getting it and, you know, outside of the classroom, you know, or just, you know, hours later or a week later. I want to make sure that I'm offering as much support as possible and the concept sounds amazing. So I'm excited for, like <laughs> – I'm excited for what's to come with it, and I really think it's going to be really helpful um, for my future students. I'm like really excited. <laughs> it's so oh, cool. Well, good. Um, I mean, as you know, you were you were absolutely on the short list, and I think uh, they're still um, talking to the rest of the group uh, for our first little foray into this thing. We um, we're going to go through and try to do something that's more of a destination and actually a longer class than this first time, which I think. Probably around 20 teachers or so, and uh, and then as soon as we got that under our belt, we'll we'll, we'll do a full blown virtual event with a market, but not quite this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited so, though. But you're. But I'm, cool. I'm really excited to have you with us, and you know, more time for us to get to talk to each other. So, which is great for me. Um, so, yeah. it, you know, it, uh, any other teaching gigs you got going on right now? Um, not. On pin just yet, <laughs> okay. but, but working right. on it. There's some discussion there, so yeah, it will just keep looking out for me. <laughs> Don't be surprised. I, I will. There's some discussion happening, but yeah, <laughs> exciting. All right, we um, we're coming down close <laughs> to the end of the show, and um, one of the questions I always like to ask is: Is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should have? Um, let's see. Well, well, one thing uh, I kind of forgot to mention is today I have a um, web post, an article that I've written for the spinoff magazine, um, and it's published. It's going live today, so it's probably live already. <laughs> um, and basically, um, I share how to um, – Try not to be wasteful with your fibers and how you can basically recycle what is normally called waste. So um, that particular article should be up on the spinoff magazine on their website. So check that out whenever you get a chance. And then, um, oh, and another thing I didn't mention um, was the uh, Fleece Washing Journal so uh, I've been working really hard on a particular journal that I am self-publishing. And um, that particular one is under works, and I am pushing to get this out hopefully within 30 days. Um, it's been a lot of work. <laughs> um, and I actually originally I originally released it as a, down, a free download with Tiny Studio Creative Life magazine. Thanks so much to Susie Brown for all of her help and helping me get it to, you know, prepared for the magazine. Um, 
for their digital magazine and now turning it into a hardcover um, journal has been a bit of a transition. So there's things I'm working on with that. So that is definitely in the works and will be out hopefully as soon as possible. (laughs) Um, That, as far as my works, that would be it. Um, Then I also, I kind of wanted to um, talk a little bit more about what we discussed just a touch of something that I didn't mention in the right. last interview. Yeah, um, and I want to I want to I tell people that uh, I had this conversation with uh, Heavenly in our last pre-interview, and um, it came up, and it, it it really is something that we should have dovetailed into the last episode. But there's never uh, n- there's never a bad time to talk about this, and I think that every single time one of these stories happens, it needs to be talked about. So I asked her if she'd please, if she was okay to tell the story today. So uh, Heavenly, please take it away. Sure, absolutely. Um, in sometimes you don't think, you know. Sometimes there's so many different things that happen that in the experience that you have, you don't even think to share some of the things. And um, I'm glad I started talking to you and um, shared it with you. It wasn't something, you know, it was something that happened long ago. But I thought it was important that people understand, like, the things that um, people of color experience when they go to yarn shops or they go to festivals and things like that. Um, I had my own particular experience where when I was crocheting and I was teaching myself to crochet for the very first time, I figured I would um, venture out and start looking into a local yarn shop. I researched to see what that's all about because someone said, you should see if there's something local instead of shopping, you know, big box stores. And I'm like, cool, let's try it. So (laughs) I I figured it would be a fun experience. My very first experience was not so fun. It was absolutely uh, terrible, actually. I um, went to visit a shop here in Illinois, and I was the only person in the shop at the time, and the owner was there. And I walk in, and I wasn't greeted or anything, like no hello or anything. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just look around. So I'm looking around for about a minute, like not even a minute. And the owner says to me, the clearance bin is over there. And I'm like, wait, what did she say? She said, the clearance bin is over there. And I looked at her like, what makes you think that you should tell me that. <laughs> and it was probably the most uncomfortable experience ever because you're excited to go into these yarn shops to learn. You're excited to meet other people that do what you do. And then you walk in and that's your first interaction. And it was like kind of devastating. I was pretty pissed. You know, I was really upset um, that that happened. And I did talk about it, you know, before with, like, some friends, and they were, like, pretty shocked. And um, But I hadn't really shared that. At least I don't think I have. I haven't shared that experience with um, anyone since then because it was one of those – it was one of those situations where I was really mad about it. I felt like there was not much that can be done. You know, um, I stopped. I didn't shop there, you know, since, 
Um, but it was just, it just makes you feel like you're not part, you know, of what you want to be a part of. And um, I don't know, you kind of feel like you're by yourself. And so it was very wrong. And I don't know, it was just, that's something you don't ever want to feel. And when I hear that other people have negative experiences going into um, local yarn shops or going to fiber festivals because of their, um, because they're a person of color or, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, that's what made me think about it <laughs> because I'm like, why, you know, sometimes you wonder like what goes through people's heads to even think that something like that is okay, but it's more common than people would believe. And I felt it was important to share that because a lot of times people want to put their head in the sand and say, that never happens. You know, this doesn't happen. Oh, it happened. (laughs) It happened to me. Um, And it happened to many others. And it's not okay. And it was something I wanted to share before because especially with the interview before, I felt like it was very fitting at the time, but I shared other things I thought were, you know, I don't know. I felt like it shouldn't be left out. So I felt I should share it now to let people know this is something that happens and this is not okay in our community. It's not okay in any community. You know, it's, it's something that people should not have to experience ever. What it did for me, like experiencing that it made me feel originally like I don't need to go to a yarn shop anymore. You know, it was kind of like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> like if people are like this, <laughs> you know, and it's one of those, you know, you're not a part or you shouldn't be here kind of thing, then I don't need to be a part of this. I'll just stay home. I'll just stay to myself and just continue to, you know, shop at some of my big box stores. Like why explore? But I'm glad I got you know, through that situation, but it's sad that you even have to go through a situation, you know, to be able to give another yarn shop a chance or to give, you know, I don't know. It, was, it just makes you feel a certain way. And so I share that just to say that you need, it's nice to be, it's good to listen to what other people experience and not jump to conclusions or assume, you know, your own ideas. Just listen to what people experience. They're experiencing this and they're sharing it for a reason. They don't want others to experience it and they shouldn't have to. And so, yeah, that was my experience. It was terrible, but it was, I felt like there was nothing you could really do about it, you know, but, um, it didn't stop well, you are doing from, something about it right now. Know, I mean, you're doing something about it right now. Right. Um, you know, That's you're, true. you're, you're, you're telling the story like... because, and there's going to be more. So I, have a, I have a guest next week who's going to tell a very similar story, and those stories are going to keep coming out and keep coming out because I think that every single time one more of these stories comes out, the people that say, oh, that that's not doesn't happen that often, can finally get over themselves and realize it's happening all the time. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it's definitely happening, and it's, it's sad because that something like that can keep someone from engaging into something so beautiful that we're able to do, you know, with our hands. 
that we're able to, you know, connect with others. Something like that could keep people closed in and shut out and feeling, you know, like they're not a part. And you never want that out of a community. You want you want people of all backgrounds to be able to come together. That's really what you want. You don't want to feel like, you know, anyone is marginalized in a particular community at all. You don't want to see that. That's terrible. You know, you don't want to experience it either as a person. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not, I don't even know what's how to put it to work, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. It's just really... Well, it's it's really it, just it, not okay. It's, it's not acceptable. It's there's just it's not no, there's, exactly. there's, it's just not okay. And, you know, we were we yeah, were talking yesterday about okay. these, these kinds of things, and people saying, "Oh, I don't like to get any political." You know, mm-hmm. uh, both both Evelyn and I chuckle about that because it's humanity. Hum, human issues aren't political. They're they're just not. I'm, you know, it's the furthest thing away from it. Right. But, and okay. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> yesterday, it yesterday just, we, 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 we were so irritated. We were laughing or so hard because we couldn't because it was either laugh or cry. We were laughing pretty hard yesterday. I learned to laugh, so it keeps me from one. It keeps me from crying. Um, right. <laughs> two, it keeps me out of a place of like really bad um, anger. My laughter <laughs> is like a. <sighs> it's like you can laugh and just go, whew, like afterwards, like, okay, I'm just going to breathe whatever that was, out. <laughs> and I'm not going to take that in internally because, you know, it can really get ugly. But it's, you learn, yeah, because you can't really control, you know, how people think. You can't control anything about other people. And it's not to say it's sad that you can't control people. It's just sad that when people have a lot of hatred within them and they express it like it's nothing. That's where you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, let me just reel this in. <laughs> I'm just going to not go there today. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, I, I feel like it's important to share those experiences, though. Like on a serious note, I think it's important to share those experiences for people that feel like, one, they can't share them. Or two, it becomes so common for them that um, they feel like nobody else has experienced it before. Oh, yes, they have. You're not by yourself. Other people have experienced it too. And you have that support that, you know, you do belong in the community. You do belong in, you know, where you are. You belong. So, I mean, really, that's part of me wanting to be connected with people too, is just letting people know you belong. You belong. You don't shouldn't feel like you're outside. No. Um, so yeah, I had to share that. I'm like, let me just say. Well, thank, thank you for sharing. Oh, it. I also think it's important that it's out there um, because there's a lot of my listeners probably who have never had that experience, and maybe it's time to just sit and think about that for a minute. Yeah, it's yeah. It, I, I think I'm it's, not trying to scold anybody. I'm just saying it's always good to sit and think about the disparity of experience in this country for many reasons. So, and with that, I'll leave it alone. And just to um, <laughs> yeah. And just so to we're coming right down it to it. And to no, it doesn't take a lot to listen. You're right. So we're coming back <laughs> down to the last two questions, and I gave you a fair warning about these, right? Did you do your research? Are you ready for no, it? Okay, here we go. Ah, in, in this troubled time, what advice can you give the world? 
Oh, my gosh. It's like my answer is loaded. Um, in the trouble world, what advice? You know, um, as far as advice is concerned, I really think or I always hope that people understand that life is bigger than than you. There's so much happening to the world around us, and you have a responsibility and a job as a citizen to do what's right always. Um, Not that you'll be perfect or anything, but you have a part in what's happening in the world, and you have a voice and you have something to contribute to the world. So in a positive perspective, I'm saying you want to be on the positive side of change. You want to be on the positive side of um, what's making a difference in your local community. Um, It doesn't have to be something major or huge, uh, but I really think, really think that we all have something to contribute. And um, it could just be, you know, being kind to, you know, your neighbor that just moved in that has no, you know, no one that looks like them or just has, it could be any, it could be something small, you know, but it's just, we have so much that we can offer. And a lot of people think they don't. You do. You have something you can offer. And it takes a lot of work to find out what that is. And each day we should look into those things. Like how can we make the world better from where we are? And all, you know, in some cases that's what most people want is to see that other people are making their lives better and not worse. So helping others, I notice, helps me. So I always look to find something to do to help somebody else. So if you're in a terrible situation, find somebody to help. It's going to uplift you too. So that's what I would advise, help others. That's good advice. And it sounds so much like you too. It does. Hey, I just – it was, it was different than the last one, so it's good. You gave us two different pieces of advice. So, all right, last question before we uh, before we head on out of here today. Uh, do you want to do you have anyone you want to thank or make a shout out to? Oh, I have a long list. And <laughs> do you have no, you can't find it. Can you? <laughs> go for it. Yeah, go, go for it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I really want. I really, 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 really want to thank, first off, my parents, because I have to give honor to my parents. They, they've done a lot to um, make sure that we, my, my siblings and I, um, have had, you know, better experiences growing up and trying to make life better for us um, with the decisions that, they're make, that they had made and um, the sacrifices that they made. So I really have to thank them so much for what they've done um, throughout my childhood and even until now. I'm just really thankful for them. Um, also, my husband and my children, um, they give me the most laughter. <laughs> they give me the most laughter I can possibly have, and they make me want to explode in more laughter after I'm done laughing. Um, I also want to thank, um, man, I want to thank um, 
you guys at Stitches. Hello. <laughs> Thank you guys for, uh, yeah, really allowing me to teach and be a part of the wonderful things that you guys are doing, um, the people at Denoff, um, Kate and Elizabeth, and the people at um, Tiny Studio that have been very helpful um, in so many ways, um, Susie Brown, Evanita, um, my friends that have been helping me with the chats, um, Chuck and Tanya and Tinica, um, all those people, like there's so many people that are um, in the background that are so supportive and so helpful. Um, and just people that have helped watch my children, like I was talking about earlier, like just so I can get a nap <laughs> years ago. <laughs> my friends that have been there, neighbors, um, just so many people I just want to shout out because it's sometimes those small little things that can push somebody and help them with their dreams, can help them go to where they need to go. And I'm really thankful for them. And then I, of course, just I have to thank my spiritual father. Um, I have to thank um, Father in heaven. <laughs> I have to thank him so much and thank Jesus for everything because I really, as a woman of God, I feel like I couldn't do anything without without the faith that I have in him and, and what I've learned over the years. And ultimately just even like people that I've had struggles with, honestly, I just want to shout them out and thank them <laughs> because I've had a lot of struggles over the years. And I feel like every struggle has really helped me um, develop into who I am today. And it's helped me to learn how to, um, love people deeply and to see the best in people, even when I'm really ticked off. <laughs> and so I don't know, I just have like this whole list, but yes, I would just want to thank everybody. Really. I feel like everything in my life led up to this point and I can't really forget anybody specifically, but, um, I, I would be here all day. So, um, I just want to thank everybody that's been a part of my journey and continuing to be a part of what's to come. So I really appreciate it, really, truly. That's, well, that's fantastic. That is so gracious and, and generous. It doesn't, again, doesn't surprise me about you. Oh, <clears throat> I forgot to say, I know you had a birthday, so please give your son a uh, belated birthday. Hello from all of us fiber hooligans. I will. He would love to hear that we're talking about his birthday because, well, we're indoors. <laughs> right, and right. It's 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 his name is Ezekiel. His name is Ezekiel. Yes. Ezekiel. Yes. Yeah. So 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 when he listens to this epic, you can forward, you know, and I'll just say right now, happy birthday, Ezekiel. Yes, happy birthday, Ezekiel. He's seven. I'm like, oh my gosh, you feel older. <laughs> like I feel older. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm a seven year old. <laughs> yeah, a seven year old yeah. just sounds like oh, like too gosh. much work for me. Way too much work for me. <laughs> Well, you met my youngest. And, you met my youngest at uh, at Salt Lake City. I mean, I you know. Yes. Yes. And I, I, little ones. I, yes. I'm, the next little ones that are coming in will be grandchildren one of these days. But let's not. I don't want to get into that whole thing. Oh right my now. gosh. <laughs> All right. So um, <clears throat> you've you've been very generous with your time. We actually have been talking for over an hour and a half. It's been fantastic. I loved it. Perfect. <laughs> Great time. <laughs> I, set, I, had a I great set the time, time over too. Just it was wonderful. I'm so glad that you were uh, 
you know, you were so gracious to really suspend your last episode because you had some more important things to say. But you know, I really do appreciate you coming back on the show so quickly, so we could talk about you and elevate your skills too, and talk about all the cool things you're doing. And um, yeah, it, it it meant a lot. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to let you go. You can get back to your day. Um, you have a great day, and you have a glorious week, okay? All right. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. That was Heavenly Brusser, one of the kindest and most giving people I have ever met. I am so pleased she was able to join us again on the show today. We talked about a lot of things today, and I'll be posting links and information about those things on the show notes for this episode. And we're going to have those show notes up on com within the next day or so. Okay, next Monday, my guest will be Adela Colvin of Lolo Bean Yarn Company. Lolo Bean Yarn Company, formerly known as Adela's Crochet Cottage, began five years ago with a single stitch that quickly turned into a thousand stitches as Adela contemplated on what she would do to pass her time while her husband was away in Afghanistan. Adela's, Adela first learned to crochet and knitting soon followed. She became obsessed with all the different colors, textures, and compositions of the different yarns that she came across. One day, she came across a YouTube video of someone dyeing yarn, and she thought to herself, hey, I should try this. So she did. Dyeing came very naturally to Adela, and she was encouraged by her friends and family to start her own business and sell her hand-dyed creations. The rest is history. After the birth of her daughter, Adela realized that she had much more to live for and be grateful for. She decided to rebrand the company in honor of her little princess in hopes that one day she would be able to pass something down to her daughter and keep the legacy alive. As a woman of color, Adela wants to show her daughter and hopefully inspire others that they can achieve success regardless of circumstance. Due to her commitments, Adela was unable to do the show live. We have already pre-recorded the interview, and it will go live at 11 a.m. Central uh, Daylight Time next Monday, July 20th. Uh, I enjoyed my conversation with Adele, and I think you all will as well. Um, please tune in so you can listen to uh, our great conversation. I want to make sure that you know that uh, I am eager to hear from you. You can email me questions, recommendations, critiques, and feedback at fiberhooligan at gmail.com. And that includes any suggestions for guests or cool things you'd like me to highlight in the show. I don't promise to respond to every email but, or message, but I do promise to do my best to read them all. If you ask a really great question or have an inspired idea, I may even read your email on the podcast. I'd like to thank my guest today, Heavenly, for being on the show again. I'd like to thank the XRX and Stitches crew for encouraging me to start this podcast up again, partners and family, David, Elaine, and Alexi, for their support. I'd like to thank my dear wife, Krista, for always believing in me. I'd like to thank Libby Butler-Gluck for all our encouragement and help. And today I'd like to send out a special extra shout-out to Jessica Nelson. I miss you a lot. And, of course, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Well, that's our show, Fiber Hooligans. As we slide on out of here today, I'd like to wish you all a glorious week. Remember, the only thing... Better than being creative is being kind to each other. The good news, we can do both. Thank you for spending this time with us. I hope you'll join me and my special guest, Adela Colvin, next week on another edition of Fiber Hooligans.